Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. Today, we will be talking about James 2, 14 through 26, and the relationship between faith and works. Joining Vanessa and me for our discussion are Morgan Lewick and Renee Campbell. Friends, I'm personally looking forward to hearing from both of you, because each of you model for me in your own unique ways and spheres of life, the beautiful works of faith. Would you both please take a few moments to tell us about yourself and answer our favorite question of the day, which is, what is your favorite thing to do between the hours of 6 and 8 a.m.? All right, I'll lead us off. Um, my name is Renee Campbell. I am married to Robert, and we have four children. My oldest is a sophomore, a daughter at Georgia, and a son here in town who's a senior, a freshman son, and a fifth grader. And uh, I stay busy with them, and so that's my job right now. Um, between the hours of six and eight, I'm just not my best. It was really just a bummer of a question for me because I'll tell you what was the biggest game changer for my life was when I realized that I could program my coffee maker and my coffee would be ready when right. I went in there. So I am not super productive from six to eight, except getting my kids out the door. Kind of sad about it. Which takes some effort it Renee, does. getting those it kids does. out the door. That counts. So your favorite thing to do is listen to your coffee maker making coffee for you between the yeah, hours of right. six and eight. Smell it and then get it. up for it and yeah. you know, first cup and I can I can start moving. But I, I wish I could say I've run five miles, but that's not happening between six and eight for me. Well, my name is Morgan uh Lewick. I um am a full time licensed marriage and family therapist. Um I am a single dog mom and uh <laughs> I've got three large dogs who keep me busy when I'm not at work and sometimes when I am at work. Um, so uh, also I was a little, I was a little like six and eight. <laughs> my, if I'm being totally honest, my favorite thing to do between six and eight is sleep. <laughs> I'm a night person. Yes. Um, so I, I'd much always rather stay up late and uh and relax in the evening hours then i would wake up early although it's funny i used to in my high school days um the only time i got peace in my house was really early so i used to wake up really early mm -hmm. to get hot water and a little bit of mm -hmm. quiet mm -hmm. and i did that in my teaching years as well but um as of late um and I mean, like the past 15 years, I've, I've, I'd much rather sleep. So uh, I, it takes a lot to wake me up. Um, I set my Alexa for 5.30 or 5.45. And then I set my iPhone for 6 a.m. and 6.10. <laughs> and I know absolutely the last moment that I have to get out of my bed to actually get ready on time. So um so I, I usually set my Alexa to the news. I listen to the news for about 15 minutes in my bed, which is a dangerous thing to do. That's why I have iPhone for backup. Depending on how exciting the news <laughs> yeah. is that day, right? <laughs> you guys are also welcome to call me at any time between the hours of 6 and 6.30 to make sure I get up. Morgan, do you drink coffee? I can come show you how to program your coffee maker. <laughs> I do drink coffee and I recently got a coffee brewer that I think I can 
if I figure it out, I think I can uh, set it for a specific time. So perfect. Add it to the routine. <laughs> Add it to the routine. Well, between the hours of six and eight, I used to be like you, Morgan, in that I was a night owl, and children changed that for me. Um, so you were motivated to get up for, for hot water and hot showers. I was motivated to get up just so that I could be a nice person when I, my kids saw me. <laughs> so so I, I would get up super early. And so now that's my habit uh, of getting up super early. And one of two places, if the weather's nice, sitting outdoors um, in the morning before day. So when the stars are still in the sky and, 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 and uh, they're fading away and the sun is rising, that is my favorite thing to do, just to be along with my thoughts. Um, and if I can't be outdoors, to be inside by a fire. And it, it'll, it takes my family to tell you that I really don't care the temperature outdoors. I want to be by a fire. Do you have a gas fireplace or do you make a fire in the morning? Um, I have a wood burning fireplace. It has a gas starter. That's still pretty impressive that you get up and make a fire to sit by it. the fire. All right. Well, I agree with y'all in that I, if I had my choice, I probably would sleep. Uh, Morgan, I used to share a, a room in college with somebody who was like you and I was like you with our alarm clocks and it drove, we were actually in a house, it drove everybody else nuts <laughs> because Literally, both of us would set it for every 10-minute increments, but they weren't the same 10-minute increments. It just went off constantly for like 45 minutes. Like, how can you stand that? I was like, it's just the, the thrill of knowing I don't quite have to get up yet. I just love that. But I have, um, in the past several years, taken to teaching some fitness classes, and the slots that were open were the early morning teaching classes. So now I teach every morning at 6 a.m., and my favorite part about it recently is that I've just gotten my husband, John, in on it with me. Really, for the past year, he's been going with me. And when he started going, it was out of a sheer commitment to me to be involved in something that I found important. And I'd asked him and I'd asked him and he finally said yes. So he started going for my sake. But he'll tell you now that a year later, he still doesn't love to get out of the bed, but he actually wants to go for the sake of of the class itself. He actually sees that the work has good benefits, even if it has to happen <laughs> at 6 a.m., right? So our passage for today uh, speaks a lot about the necessity of a different type of work, which is the work of faith. And this type of work, it does involve commitment, and it also brings about great benefit, both for ourselves and for those around us. Now, the passage, James 2, 14 through 26, it's not an easy passage, and some would say it is the most theologically complex and controversial passage in James. I don't know if James intended it to be such. I do know that he was being very straightforward and pastoral with his readers, desiring above all to ensure that their faith was real. It was a real and living thing and not a dead and useless substitute. So he starts off by asking a question in verse 14 that he will then answer in the verses 15 through 26. And that is, what good is it if someone says she has faith but has no works? Can such faith save her? So Vanessa, let's talk briefly about why the connection between faith and works can be a controversial one. And then let's talk about the connection James is trying to make here. Yeah, I, I think part of the challenge here is that We've worked so hard to guard against a works righteousness 
or the belief that we can earn favor with the Lord. And, and, and in trying to guard against that thinking, we have kind of overswung the pendulum in the opposite direction. And in some cases, I think we've divorced works from righteousness altogether. Uh, and so yeah. James, is, James is really bearing out that that's not a faithful reading of scripture. And so we are absolutely correct and holding to the truth that our works do nothing to curry favor from the Lord, but they do show evidence of a living faith, as you were saying. And, and that's what James is getting at here. Um, the other thing I would add is that terminology can be a bit confusing. Uh, we see the phrase justified by works and not faith alone, and that scares us. Because yeah. It sounds yeah. like we're being asked to do what we've been so carefully guarding against, believing that our works have somehow secured salvation for us. But words are given in, in, in context. We, we, we get meaning from the context in which the words are given. And as we know, words can have a wide range of meaning. In this case, being justified regarding our sanctification and union with Christ speaks of being declared or made righteous. That's the type of justification that Paul uses, but that's not what James is saying here. The justification that James is speaking of is justification that's an evidence or an outflow of a true and living faith. And so I think that those are the kind of the sticking points. Right. Yep. I agree with you. It's that same thing. He's talking about works. There's the timing of two different types of works. There's the work of salvation that only Christ right. accomplishes. And then there's a work that proves the salvation that Christ accomplished and that gives feet in a sense to the salvation that Christ Absolutely. accomplished. That was helpful for me in this passage, just to see the fact that that faith is meant to be alive. It's meant to make a change. It's meant to be a benefit and a blessing. And if we don't see those things, then we would want to find a real faith and not be satisfied with something that's dead that goes Absolutely. nowhere. I thought that was Absolutely. very helpful. James does a, a lot of helping us to check for vitality, looking for vital signs to see if we have a living <laughs> faith. And so he kind of helps us see uh, the status of our faith. Is it, is it really alive? Is it really vibrant? Uh, how does it look? Hmm. Let's dig into this passage a, a bit more. Um, how did the verses for this week change or reaffirm your understanding of the relationship between faith and works, ladies? Um, yeah, the first thing that came to my mind is, um, you know, uh, that even non-believers uh, will recognize and say often that the thing that drives them away from the church is hypocrisy. Um, people who say that they're Christians and yet... Um, don't reach out in a, lo in a loving way or uh, treat them poorly or, um, you know, have, have uh, conflict that's um, unresolved with them and, and things like that. Um, in, uh, in our therapeutic language, we call that being incongruent. So uh, when your insides and your outsides don't match, that's what we say. And, um, and, and really, I think it kind of affirms um, what I think we say in a lot of contexts is, um, you know, you say you love me, but you don't do this, or, um, you say that you believe that and yet you walk in this way. Um, and so, you know, just as it in Matthew says that, um, you know, a true nature by, uh, of a person by their fruit, a, a healthy tree bears good fruit an unhealthy diseased tree bears bad fruit. Um, and so I think this James passage really kind of drives that home 
in a in a pretty powerful way. That's great. I love that you put that in the terms of uh, incongruence, uh, the the clinical language. Thank you. I love that. Yeah, I I agree, Morgan. I you know the, one of the first things I thought about was just that um, the hymn they will know we are Christians by our love, and so mm-hmm. often um, we don't do a great job of that. You know, we're more inclined to tell everybody our point of view or tell everybody what they're not doing right. Um, but I just, a couple passages from John just struck me that um, it says, by this you will know, the Father will be glorified by this, that you will bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And that's John fifteen eight, And then in John thirteen thirty five, it says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So that connection there is is so important um, that we just think about what our actions, what our out, what our works are showing to a watching world. Yeah, absolutely. That idea that it's proving the one that we have faith in, and it's being congruent with who we are and who he says he's made us to be. It, it was helpful for me to just be reminded that works do prove the validity of my faith. Uh, especially of, of who my faith is in and they aren't a validation of myself. So that's a big difference to me. It's so easy for me to kind of look at what I do and then analyze where I think I am in my Christian faith, according to how well I have or have not done. But when I do that, then inevitably it leads to a sense of self-righteousness, um, spiritual discouragement, burnout, Versus the idea of knowing who I am in Christ and then finding and seeing and asking for those good works he's called me to do and giving him praise and gratitude for the fact that I've done them and that they've brought glory to him and joy to me at the same time. And I just easily get those mixed up. I take my, I put my eyes on myself and in there versus the privilege of what it is to prove another instead of instead of just myself you know uh for many different reasons i think we can all feel spiritually discouraged or sluggish or like we're going backwards or it's just slow sometimes either in our um in how we're making progress spiritually or maybe sometimes even in how we feel about our salvation period when y'all feel discouraged regarding either of those things what do you find that you more often look to do you look to your faith to encourage you or do you look to your works to encourage you not of course that they have to be separate i know that they're not but do you tend to gravitate one way or another what does that look like i think i tend to gravitate more toward faith probably um when i'm discouraged or just feel like okay i just failed again or i you know said something harshly or just those things that we do daily when we are disappointed in our own actions or our own words and I think I just need to sit more with God and just um, make space for listening to him. And, um, you know, we're really good at telling him what we want, telling him how we feel. I'm not so good at just sitting and listening and reading the word of God and letting it speak to me, letting it just kind of marinating in it and letting it um, really speak to me because he does speak through our word. We know that through his word. And we know that. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's probably where I need to spend more time is um, with Jesus, knowing his character, knowing more of who he is. And um, I think that 
we can't be discouraged when we're spending more time with God. Yeah, completely. And when you say that, Renee, it just reminds me, you know, part of how we get the separation of faith and works wrong is that we think that um, works are maybe only, we only have a certain category for works, outward works, but but that work of coming to the word and sitting underneath it and listening it, to it, that's also a good work that you do by faith. When I was going through chemotherapy for five months, I really didn't do much physically, but it was mm. such a sweet time of fellowship with the Lord. And I stayed in my bed a lot and I read a lot and I listened to good, good sermons and I prayed a lot. And I prayed probably more for my children and my family in that five months probably than I did in a year, you know, the year before. So you're right. Those kinds of good works aren't necessarily an active work, a physical work. Yeah. They're not limited just to that. Um, Yeah. So uh, this was a tricky question. It's sort of a a chicken or an egg question. (laughs) Uh, I think that when I get discouraged, it, it seems to always be a faith issue. Um, So, you know, for example, being single, unmarried. Um, I often feel discouraged about finances. And if something happens, my car breaks down or my house needs a repair, or I have a, a bill, um, a medical bill that needs to be paid. Um, I get very discouraged and I start to, um, to really doubt God's provision in my life. Or uh, recently I've been a little discouraged about my prayer life. Um, and, and feeling convicted. And I think all of those are faith issues, but when it comes down to it, um, when I, when I kind of think through what is my response to that conviction? What's my response to that discouragement? There's always, there's always, um, feet to that feeling mm-hmm. and, um, and, and feet that take me somewhere with that faith response. So, um, you know, if I'm financially stressed, it should drive me to prayer. And and that's a works sort of a thing. And now my prayers aren't going to necessarily generate finances. But, um, but my faith is, you know, um, floundering in those moments. And what I truly need uh, to strengthen my faith is the Lord. And then some response that sometimes when I, I'm not feeling, um, I think I think this quote comes from uh, C.S. Lewis, um, the Screwtape Letters. He said, I'm going to maybe get this wrong, but he said, uh, Satan's cause is never more in danger than when a human no longer desiring, but still intending to do his father's will, mm-hmm. round upon the universe in which every trace of him seems to uh, has vanished and yet still obeys. And so I think that's kind of the thing is like, I don't necessarily need, uh, I need the faith to take the action, but the faith comes from the Lord. And sometimes the action comes before that feeling of faith. Yeah. The feeling of faith mm-hmm. being different. Oh, that was, that, that was just, that was just so awesome. I, mm-hmm. yeah, I think a lot of my discouragement comes in, in the, those failures and those faith crises, um, many or large, um, I think I'm learning not to doubt my own depravity, not to doubt my own tendencies towards sinful pride and self-sufficiency. I'm really good at those. Uh, that's that's taken some time to cultivate, and I'm still cultivating that. But 
I'm, I'm learning and the Lord is cultivating that in me, but I'm, I'm learning to recognize my sin more quickly in those areas. Um, the discouragement and then, you know, repent more quickly. I think the, the discouragement comes when I'm more focused on my sin and beating myself up because I'm not farther along than I thought I should be, or it has taken some just intense gazing into what James calls the law of liberty and, and, and reminding myself mm -hmm. to drink deeply from the grace that the Lord has freely given and mm -hmm. just have to remind myself that it's, it's for you. You know, you can drink deeply from this grace and just pushing against my own low thoughts of who the Lord is knowing that he's not sighing and rolling his eyes because here I come back again, uh, <laughs> repenting again, messing up again, failing again, instead reminding myself that he welcomes me uh, with open arms and that is it's his good pleasure mm -hmm. to extend new mercies, new grace, as many times as I'm willing to come. But I have to convince my heart of that regularly. Mm -hmm. So how might it look then for you ladies to live out your faith through an act of love or obedience? How might that look? Um, yeah, this, uh, I was really kind of, um, trying to dig deep on this. And I think what I kind of came up with uh, initially, my thought was, I don't know if I live this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we all feel that way. <laughs> Where are the works? Where are the works? Uh, I'm desperately <laughs> sifting through my memory for like, Am I, am I faithful? <laughs> Do I have a work that I can say out loud for it to be recorded? I don't know. But, uh, you know, I had, I've had a very poignant um, time in my life where there's, there was a very um, a vast leap in, in, in faith that the Lord produced in me. And that was about maybe 12, 10 or 12 years ago when I had, I had become a Christian in college. Um, and, and by grad school, I was really actively running from the Lord. I had a lot of confusion about identity and, um, things that felt right to me, but didn't match up with what God says in his word. And, and at the time, I, I think I just was, uh, offended and, um, I didn't feel like I, I felt very incongruent and actually I was very incongruent up to that point. Um, reading and studying the word and being with God's people, but not inwardly feeling like I matched with that. So I did run from the Lord and the Lord chased after me at some point. And, uh, and the spirit really moved in a way where I felt, um, I felt like I know this isn't it, what I'm looking for in, 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 in and of myself and what I'm doing is not it. And I know the Lord must be it, but I had no uh, action for that except to desperately reach out for any uh, mentorship. Um, I started reading through John. I was like, I still don't get it. I don't still don't get what's going on with me, but um, it, it sort of produced these actions that were not in line with certainly not in line with what I was experiencing before. And so as I was thinking through this question, kind of thought, you know, I think every day since then has been uh, a manifestation of seeing my sin um, and then responding by reaching out for the Lord, whether that be through prayer, through the word, time with other believers, um, knowing my need and my need to be with God's people and being faithful to 
congregational worship and, and other things like that. And then in the tiny mundane things, I think over that stretch of time, I can see how God was faithful to produce in me more of a listening spirit instead of a spirit of desperation to be heard, um, more of a more of a sense of comfortability, well, maybe not comfortability, but a willingness to be sacrificial in friendship and in love where before I felt uh, desperate to meet my own needs. Um, so really just kind of a manifestation of this healing in sort of, um, you know, every little step of the day of the mundane and the, the just normalcy of life. That's really awesome, Morgan, and beautiful. And you said that so well. So I really don't have anything to say now. <laughs> what I'm going to say means nothing. That's, that's just really beautiful because that's just faithful obedience. I mean, even if you didn't want to, that first step, the Lord was faithful to put mm. you. He was faithful to, to your desire for obedience. Um, he, we don't do it ourselves. So Amen. <laughs> he does it. That's beautiful. Um, well, you know, when I first read this question, I, I thought, I'm not, I don't want to toot my own horn. You know, nobody wants to toot their own horn kind of. Um, and I think some of us are really good at practical hands-on taking the meal to our people that we love. Um, and I, I've certainly been on the receiving end of that, um, just acts of love from the body of Christ with um, meals and people taking my children here and there. Um, one thing my husband always says to our family is, how can we be a blessing to this person? How can we bless this family? How can we bless this person, you know, that has come into our lives? And I think that's um, a really good question to ask all the time when we come um, across people that we know that might be having a hard time, or we see someone that is just struggling and outside of the body of Christ, that kind of what we talked about at the beginning, just really... Um, being showing the love of God to those who um, are outside of the body, because mm. there are a lot of, um, it's just a hard time. People are feeling isolated and alone. And I think now more than ever showing people God's love and the love of Christ is, is really, um, it's a timely place that we find ourselves in to do that. It absolutely is. And Renee, you have so much to say regarding that. I know you laugh, but <laughs> Doesn't she? I mean, I know you well, and I'm so grateful for you in many ways. And I really have always looked at you to you as an example of what it means to love people practically and a wide spectrum of people at your own cost with joy. And um, I've always really respected that about you. I think for me, I was trying to even just think about this week, what it looked like to act by faith. And Monday morning was just one of those Monday mornings. I can't remember if it was rainy. Mm-hmm. Was it rainy? It probably was rainy. It felt rainy in my soul. <laughs> I will say that. Just everything felt dreary and everything felt sad and everything felt discouraging. And I was sitting in my kitchen thinking, you know what I really want to do? I just want to quit. I want to quit. And then I want to call my friends, my good friends, and tell them all the reasons <laughs> why I want to quit and why I should be able to quit because I quit. You know, and that's how I felt in that moment. And I do um, tend to sometimes want to retreat when things get hard or I want to talk it out either in my own mind or to other people a lot. And so, Renee, what you said just a little bit ago resonated with me, that idea of being still and listening 
And it was like the Lord was saying, sitting there in my chair, looking out the window, just put the mm -hmm. phone down. Do not call so-and-so. Do not go into your own, you know, headspace. Sit here, pray, and just be quiet. You know, that whole be, be still and know that I am God. And it really was a practical act, a, a, a functional act to just stop and to listen. And, and the Lord in that moment didn't clear the air of everything that was sad mm -hmm. for me or discouraging or changing any of my circumstances. But he let me know that he was in that hard place with me and that there were only certain works that he could do. Uh, and I had to surrender to, to that reality that there were certain things I could not do, but he could do. And I don't know what, I, w I didn't know what, even what those were going to look like. Um, I couldn't even predict them, but to wait on them, uh, that was, that was good for me. And it, and it freed me up enough that day to stay in motion, you know, and to stay available to the good works he did have for me to do. And one of those sweet little blessings was reading mm -hmm. to my boys that night before they went to bed, they, they're all getting older and they still want me to read to them and to be able to not quit on the day, you know, but finish it mm -hmm. present with them reading. I went to bed thinking, Lord, thank you for that. That was a gift because nothing in my emotions or my soul that, you know, that day felt like I wanted to finish out strong, but the Lord enabled that to happen. And it was just mm -hmm. a real blessing. You know, Courtney's got a line in her book, Steadfast, that I think she summarizes what we're talking about well. And she says, true faith results in works of obedience, the pursuit of holiness, the cultivation of Christ likeness and acts of mercy. And all of those things we've touched on, and they're just a beautiful picture. It's our faith in Jesus that results in these things. And what a blessing that it does. What a blessing indeed. And with that note of encouragement, we hope you will join us again next week. Let us keep you company in the carpool line or help you exhale at the end of a long day. Susan O'Keefe, a communications professor at Augusta University, and Ellen Hoover, an extraordinary homeschool teacher of four, will be joining us to talk about James 3 and 1 through 12 and the power of words. We hope you'll listen in. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian while she sings. It is the Lord who rises with healing in His wings. When comforts are declining, He grants the soul again. A season of clear shining to cheer it after the rain.